Welcome to the Service Management Leadership Podcast with Jeffrey Tiefertiller. Hello, everyone. This is Jeffrey Tiefertiller. We have Jim Hussey back, well, for the first time that Jim and I have been talking on the Service Management Leadership Podcast. Jim is the author of a book called The Survival Guide to SaaS Software as a Service Optimization. How are you, Jim? I'm doing great today, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me on. I, I look forward to the conversation. Oh, it is. And so we've had a lot of service management as well as IT asset management uh, conversations over the last few weeks. So this fits right in because IT asset management and SaaS optimization and cloud optimization, those are coming together and they're going to be the same here in a few years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's 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 a good time to have the conversation, obviously a hot subject and, and one that's only going to get more challenging, I think, for the practitioners. Oh, yes. It's complex and it's even getting more so and the providers love it that way. Uh, that's just my view. I don't want to project that onto you. What led you to write this book? Um, great question. I, I could spend a lot of time you know, uh, covering that, we could spend the day. So I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to be brief. Um, I'm very fortunate where I, I spent a, a number of years as uh, a, an advisor, in particular in the outsourcing space. And um, that led me to a corporate role here in Denver, um, where I was responsible for IT vendor management. And in that role at a, at a, at a financial organization, uh, I, I, I inherited or um, uh, successfully um, or, or unsuccessfully avoided a, a number of different uh, roles that I inherited. So I inherited software asset management. I inherited third-party risk management. I inherited IT service management. Uh, also uh, picked up IT uh, portfolio and project management. And, and what, what that did in retrospect is really gave me a very broad perspective on IT operations and a lot of interface with the CFO uh, and, and IT finance. So as, as I was uh, writing my previous book um, called uh, The Sam Leader Survival Guide, <laughs> which, which obviously is, is, is focused on how Sam leaders really need to uh, speak to sponsors and stakeholders more effectively. But that, that, that was that effort. But as I, as I was interviewing, as I was going about my workday, as I was speaking to other industry luminaries such as yourself, began to ask questions, what about SaaS? Because it's something I dealt with in, in my corporate role. And many individuals just had no, no idea, right? Whether it's SAM, ITAM, vendor management, sourcing, it was someone else's issue. Um, so what I then began to do was interview the leaders of the SaaS management platform companies, and they were telling me who they're selling to. So it was very interesting when we are talking to ourselves here about who owns SAM and who's going to be important in SaaS, and it should be part of ITAM and all those things. The people who are selling it are selling to a totally different audience, IT finance, compliance, risk, sourcing. Right, so so I really thought it uh, appropriate to sit down and try to blend all of these functions that I owned in my corporate life, but bring it together. So if you as a SaaS leader really wanted to have a conversation internally, whether it be infosec, third-party risk, um, you know, sourcing, finance, 
to give you the skills to do that. And that's really what, what the book is meant to do is help you establish rapport with your sponsors and stakeholders and ultimately uh, achieve success. The, you brought up something there and I want to push in. What's interesting to me is even in the service management world, the SaaS tool salespeople target different levels in the organization. And if that's true in the service management tools, now we, we broaden that out to all the FinTech, all the other SaaS providers, and they're each targeting different levels, different titles within the organization. And so I'll ask you, since you lived in that role, how as a leader do you handle that internally that you have different parts of your organization being targeted by competing tools? Great question. And, and it's it, it, a challenging task. Um, it, it, you know, so, so interestingly, I just actually put out a little piece this morning. Um, uh, I had a, a chance to have a great conversation with Corey Wheeler last week, who's the founder, uh, co-founder at, uh, at Zylo. And we love talking about, you know, governance and, you know, or, or, or the life cycle, SAS governance life cycle. And one of the areas that I'd like to focus on is the concept of rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for, for those of us with a vendor management background or a sourcing background, um, you, you, you're very comfortable talking about the rules of engagement. However, in the world of SaaS, they don't exist. And the organizations have not sat back as yet, or they're beginning to, to assemble policies and controls that are necessary to, to help your organization understand and who should be speaking to whom about what. And it's not meant, they're not meant to slow the organization down. It's not meant to wrestle back from the business units, their budget, or their ability to work autonomously to meet, meet their goals. But it's meant to put some criteria in place and requirements. So, so you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I talk with the uh, individuals, um, and, you know, one, one of these uh, SaaS management platform uh, companies mentioned to me that, hey, we're working with your former employer and we're talking to this individual. And I was like, why would you be doing that, right? The, first off, you, you, no budget, no, no authority or anything, right? Just, I guess just was a person who answered the phone. But so you have multiple layers within technology. And of course, you have the business units who have their own uh, agendas, who are ripe for uh, a, a SaaS type of discussion. And again, I'm talking about things other than enterprise SaaS, right? So Salesforce, uh, Microsoft Office 365, ServiceNow, um, uh, Adobe Creative Cloud, uh, and the HCM uh, platforms such as Workday, SuccessFactors. Those, those will tend to be highly uh, uh, controlled and influenced by IT, vendor management, sourcing, but it's so all those others, as you said, that are popping up and, and they're redundant applications or the same application, but six, seven different agreements. Um, so those are the challenges our, our, our friends in sourcing or SaaS governance professionals really need to get their arms around. Well, the, to push in a little bit, those pe- the people out there that have never heard about rules of engagement, what's interesting is those started because salespeople would knock on a director's door and say, hey, let me tell you about my product. But now they're doing it virtually. They're doing it by text. They're doing it by phone. And one of the biggest keys that you you kind of subtly alluded to, at least I heard it in there, maybe you can elaborate more, is if they're hitting a bunch of different stakeholders, 
or a bunch of people in the organization, somebody's got to circle the stakeholders up and say, all right, security, I know you want to be at the seat. Uh, you want to have a seat at the table every time SaaS is purchased. How do we bring you to the table? Risk management, how do we bring you to the table? Procurement, supply chain, however it is in your organization, how do we bring you to the table where the right people are making the decision that it's now okay to bring this on? Is that, I, I think I heard that subtly in there. Yeah, yeah, and, and I refer to it as the SAS governance team. And you know, what you just described was what I lived through um, when I sat down with my sourcing partner and we, we were uh, being challenged by our head of compliance to, to fix this SAS problem. So we got everybody in the room, all those roles and functions, disciplines that you mentioned, and we went through and created a, a segmentation strategy. So if a, a, a SAS application is in this category, What's the appropriate level of, of requirements, due diligence, you know, validations, and, and created workflows. And then yeah, I think you'll get a kick out of this. We used uh, our ShareWell platform uh, to create that process by which people would go in and, and, and fill the information out, and then it would get uh, approved or um, uh, additional uh, information was required. But one of the things that we did was we said, what is your organization? Who is the executive? What is your cost center? And, and what we were able to start to do then was generate reporting that said, this business unit is spending this amount of money, and here's the name of the individuals who are spending that money, and here's the executive sponsor who's been identified. And the moment someone realized they were being named as executive sponsor and those stats were going in front of the head of compliance and the CFO, we got a lot more support. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. And because I've done a, I've had this built a similar matrix, right? I mean, it's just a matrix because everybody mm -hmm. wants prescription. If it looks like a dog, it wags its tail. If it looks like this, you do that. Right. So in your book title, it's in your book title says it features the empowered SaaS optimization framework. We've kind of touched and, you know, uh, kind of touched on it. What does that framework look like? It, it's a mouthful, isn't it? Um, so ESO, I, I tried to <laughs> make it a little shorter. Um, in, in, in my former life as, as an advisor, I was uh, really exposed to some really brilliant guys who were great at creating intellectual property. So the advisory firm would come in and they'd have all these tools and so forth to, to be able to you know, show the assessment and the outcomes. So I was exposed to some really, really great great minds at that. Also, um, by way of introduction, my original background is a research and journalism. So I got into this through, uh, you know, Byte Magazine, uh, Federal Computer Week, Computer World, right? So that, that, that's kind of my, my background. So we, we can chat about the journalism part uh, offline. Um, but, but, so what I did was I, I took my various backgrounds and said, hey, when I was a vendor manager, here's what we focused on. When I was third-party risk, here's what we focused on. When I had to do uh, a, a, a matrix uh, you know, for policies and controls, whether it be uh, you know, for uh, use of software, desktops, so, so, so what the, uh, uh, the, 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 the SaaS optimization framework or the empowered SaaS optimization framework is, it's a series of nine templates that uh, are, is meant to take the person from the beginning, uh, your, your discovery, your universe. Once you understand your universe and you segment, then you move into policies and controls. 
Then based on your policies and controls, what's the important governance framework or life cycle? Once you have that, then now we move to risk. And you know how, how do you measure risk, monitor risk? Because in the world of SaaS, we all talk optimization, but risk is a big issue. Yeah. I then also have an optimization uh, decomposition, right? So what is it you mean by risk and so forth? So uh, a, a mission statement template, how to create a mission statement, how to create a value statement, and ultimately how to measure your maturity based on, on, on your approach. So that's really what it is. The empowered SaaS uh, optimization framework is really just meant to help you as a SaaS professional start the process, educate, and use the tools to educate, inform, quantify as, as you try to get, the, let's say, traction within your organization. And you'll mature over time. The, the one thing about all the topics we talk about, it's not big bang. It's a improvement. You know, I, I go back to the Warren Buffett quote that they said, why did you get into finance? He said, once I learned what compound interest was and how it worked, I was in. Right. And I feel the <laughs> same way about the world we live in, about making improvements, building on them for future improvements and so on. What are your thoughts? Absolutely agree. In fact, I talk a lot about the evolution. And what I urge people to do is to carefully evolve into this because if they if they secure budget, if they secure investment too early and they overpromise, then the likelihood of uh, next budget cycle, uh, you being able to defend your position um, is, is going to be compromised, uh, right? So we've seen this in the, in the world of SAM, right? And which is why I wrote the book, The SAM Leader Survival Guide, was because, the, you know, you stand up a SAM operation, your, your leadership thinks they just bought SAM uh, uh, audit insurance, you get audited. The finding is nasty. People say, why the hell are we doing this? And they pull the plug. So, so we want to avoid that because SaaS is, is more entwined. It's hard, hard to compare it to straight up on-prem software. But it, it, in essence, it, it's becoming more integral to your, your, your supply chain, your value chain, your, your customer um, you know, um, um, you know, uh, interactions and, and customer satisfaction. So, so you really do need to evolve into it, I believe. And I want, I want to push in on something that I have found humorous in talking to somebody I know, and that is the SAS is predominantly an OPEX expenditure, operational expenditure. There are some companies out there trying to capitalize it. And so, you know, take Salesforce, ServiceNow, whatever it is. But there are those types of conversations that every company has their, their policies on that you have to understand this is how, you know, whether you think of a TCO model or what, that one really struck me as humorous just because some companies love CapEx, some love OpEx, but there's doesn't mean it's the right thing to do to categorize it. Absolutely. You know, my, my wife's CFO at, at her firm. <laughs> so I leave the finance to her, but in, in, again, in my corporate role, uh, the, you know, the accounting team was always, how much of this can we capitalize? And, and, you know, you say, okay, well, we, we can break it down and, 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 you know, from a development, right. You know, what, you know, let's break down the function, the activity, and then you tell me what percent of uh, that you want to, you want to app capitalize or, or, you know, uh, operationalize. The difference here is if you don't know how much you're spending, 
it's kind of a useless conversation. And because of the manner, and, and I see this surprisingly a lot, even with Salesforce um, and Office 365, um, you know, the, the, the sourcing team has been handed a renewal and they think that their spend, let's say, is, you know, $3 million a year. But Salesforce comes in and says, well, yeah, the, the renewal was $3 million, but you've added all of these add-ons, you've expanded. So really, you're now at a run rate of $5 million a year. And sourcing has totally been caught off guard. Finance is caught off guard. So really, the, the value of a SaaS governance and optimization is really preparing people to understand what is your spend, how are you spending it? And then you dig in because, of course, Salesforce has a lot of information available via their tenants and, and org portals, uh, but, but you still need the skills to dig in and, and extract that. So, so yeah, it, it, you know, it, I'm not worried about the CapEx, OpEx. I, I'm more focused on knowing what the spend is, what the trend is, how to optimize it. And that's where we as a category are, are emerging. And that's why SaaS management platforms, the tools that are out there are, are so valuable because you, you've got so many SaaS applications in the environment, but someone like Salesforce, Microsoft, Office 365, if you optimize those effectively, you'll, you'll, you'll make most of the, of the optimization money. It's that long tail though, that still has optimization in it, but it also has more risk inherent in it. So that's where knowing who's out there, those tools are invaluable at doing that. I agree. The tools in the space, whether it's the SaaS specific or something like Flaxera or some, you know, one of those. The other piece to that, in my opinion, so I'll get your take on it, is there needs to be some human element. It's not a pure tool because somebody's got to interpret. You mentioned Salesforce, ServiceNow, whatever it is, even 365, somebody's got to interpret what those contracts mean and see how to optimize it within the tool. What are your thoughts? I, I believe we're, we're on the verge of a, a significant, and, and we've seen it before, right, Jeffrey, right? You know, we've, we've been around a while. You see this wave of technology come in and uh, right in behind the technology, SAP in the old days, uh, Accenture and all the others, you know, uh, what was it, $10, $11 uh, in services to $1 of implementation. Um, so I think here in our category, you're absolutely right. You have to have the manpower. However, that manpower needs to look at data differently. Yes. And, and, and that's where, um, you know, I'm very familiar with my good friends in the SAM world, but SaaS is different and you need to look at it differently. And, and you need to recognize that if, if you're just deploying a tool, it will get you some optimization, but it's not going to get you everything that you, you potentially can. It's a, critical input to the process, but you need to have the people and you need to also triangulate, right? There's other data sources that are going to support an organization, optimize. Um, so, so really, um, you know, the question is, Gartner talks about 30%. How do you get to 30% uh, optimization? What are the layers? How do you combine multiple data sources to normalize it, rationalize it, and get that intelligence? So either you staff up or manage service. So I would, I would uh, suspect that many of the uh, uh, organizations today that are leaders in SaaS management are engaged with the, the leading um, you know, uh, you know, firms out there, such as Accenture, Deloitte, and others. Um, and then you're also going to see a category of, of SaaS management 
um, managed services come up. In fact, the organization I'm with today, NPI, we, we offer that type of capability, but again, focused on the enterprise category. Yes, and I think that that's going to pop up. The only thing that I, the only heartburn I ever have when I look back at how it was applied in SAM is the bigger firms are a little paint with a broad brush. It's hard for them to understand, appreciate the nuance within other, you know, every organization. And <laughs> so uh, I see that in the service management world. I see it in the SAM world. There's a lot of nuance. Every company is different. Even if you take two that look the same, same industry, they have different risk tolerances. They just are different. And so you have to have a unique solution for each. Is that your thought? Yeah, yes. And in, in fact, uh, you know, just to, to make sure that I can clarify is an organization really, if you looked at the function of, of, of uh, SaaS, you know, governance and optimization, as I call it, is there's a front office component and a back office component. If you go out and secure a back office component without the front office, everything you just said occurs, right? They, they don't have insight or understanding of the environment. So you really need to stand up, uh, you know, a couple of people internally to act as that front office. And then, and then you can get the most, not only out of your platform, but out of the people who are performing that back office function. And by back office, the analysis, the reporting, the harvesting, um, you know, the, the recommendations around profiles. Um, you know, uh, we're seeing more and more monitoring um, of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, uh, social media mm -hmm. to make sure that the, the app or, or the SaaS application is viable. Um, and, and then also uh, coordinating with internal audit if there's any due diligence uh, that's required or the team is determined due to the nature of the data that they're they're handling. But you, you, you need some team to be working with the stakeholders and sponsors um, to to facilitate that. I ask uh, I ask each of my business continuity clients to go ask all of their heavily dependent SaaS providers for business continuity plans because you want to see if and how they are can be continuous because you depend especially like in the banking world, they are relying on those apps on their phone for their customers. You need to make sure they can, they can withstand whatever <clears throat> issue, right? Right. And, and you think about in the world of finance and other regulated entities, they're looking beyond to, you know, uh, you know, not only third party risk, but fourth and fifth party risk. Mm -hmm. And, and you're absolutely right in, in, in the world of, of, uh, of third party uh, or, or, or governance risk and compliance, the idea of concentration um, is substantial, right. Or, or growing, right. So, you know, cause basically it's Amazon, Azure, Google, right. So how many choices are there that, that these places are, are, are SaaS applications are leveraging. And if they're not in those, then, then what's the level of diligence that's required from an InfoSec standpoint uh, to, to protect your business? Oh, yes, because not to be, uh, you know, Captain Obvious here, but whatever the, the SLAs, the, the SaaS provider has with Google, for example, those are going to trickle down to your SLAs with that company. And so you need to understand that maybe what you're being promised isn't really uh, viable. 
Yeah, it, it, that's an interesting subject. I had a customer ask me about service levels in the SaaS space. <laughs> it's like, it, it, you know, it, it's just a different, it's different from the traditional, you know, five nines, you know, and, and, and those types of things just don't exist. And you, you can spend all day trying to negotiate that, but uh, it, it's, it, you're going to have to go to their portal and, and, you know, try to determine, can you ac access that information? And in my experience, it, it, it's challenging to get to. So it might be a wasted effort. Um, in, in reality, the, the goal is to protect your business, make sure you're optimized, make sure you're governing it effectively. And governance just takes on a different meaning than the traditional uh, service level KPIs. Gotcha. But all I was getting at is it's never going to be, you're never going to have faster times than whatever the, the cloud provider infrastructure provider promises you know right, right. and so it's going to trickle down or up from there depending on how you look at it we've talked about some but what are some of the common mistakes organizations large small they make with SaaS? great question and i'll answer it a little differently right now i would say that the vast majority of people are on the sidelines, that they have not stepped in to really proactively address SaaS. And what's happening, unfortunately, is it's falling into sourcing's lap. In particular, that poor uh, category manager responsible for software, they now own SaaS. And, and, but I, what I do see is people are working diligently to understand it and try to figure out how to get their arms around this because it's going to do nothing but continue to grow. So, uh, the, so the mistakes that that I'm seeing are simply that people aren't getting up to the plate yet to swing, uh, but the pitches are, are are coming in right. So, so it it's really taking the time to do it right. Focus on your discovery. Focus on your universe. And and once you begin to feel confident and confident that you understand the universe then you can begin to trumpet and push internally for more capabilities or focus around this. So, so for the time being, I see a lot of people who have full-time jobs taking on and, and, and supporting a SaaS optimization, a SaaS governance effort as, as a representative for their discipline or their internal function, more so than a dedicated staff. But it, as we said earlier, it has to evolve. It has to get there. So here's some numbers. You keep talking about it being growing. Here's some numbers for the audience that I saw recently that SaaS is a half a trillion or software is a half a trillion dollar business worldwide, half a trillion, 500 billion. SaaS is roughly one quarter of it now and growing that here in four or five years, it's, it's going to pull even with on-prem software. And so we're looking, so if a company has I'm just making up numbers, 10 million in software spend. Right now, on average, you're, you're looking at a quarter of it being SaaS, and it's soon going to be half. So we have to look at it. I don't think on-prem will ever go away, but it's it, the, the, it's going to get caught and passed by SaaS, right? Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting because when you talk with the leaders, and there's some really brilliant individuals running the SaaS management platform firms today. And there's a lot of venture capital, private equity coming into this community. But they'll talk about a SaaS stack. Mm -hmm. 
and and you know companies that are SaaS first and 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 growing right but when you look at a medium and large enterprise right it's different and and you know so those numbers as you just said are going to continue growing because oracle sap um, you know all of them are moving to this SaaS model and pushing the responsibility to manage it to you as the customer and we all know from our software asset background that that's challenging. So, so, so what we're going to see is a continue to see, I think, explosive growth in the enterprise SaaS category, as well as an extended tail of, 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 of just continuing, you know, um, micro SaaS applications that'll be proliferating around your organization. And that's the challenge is how do you handle both ends of this? knowing that your optimization is on one hand and while there's optimization on the other, there's more risk and, 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 and trying to tie that together. So I think SaaS leaders are going to have to become very adept at speaking multiple languages within their organization. And I'm with you, especially because I see organizations that stack SaaS on SaaS, right? And the more you have stacked, the less visibility you have and how things are used. And you mentioned the oracles and all of those. They know how much you're using. They have ways to know. But you, Mr. Customer, need to know how much you're using, right? Yeah, and, and not at an aggregate level, right? Because, you know, they're going to want to keep you there. And when you look at the category, I love looking at Salesforce, you know, uh, one of the early movers, if not the first mover. And boy, they continue to, you know, they're selling so many of their platform services, add-on services. So, and, and more and more development organizations are, are, are configuring and, and integrating. Um, and the more that happens, obviously, you know, Salesforce becomes integral to, to the operation. So if, if you start looking at that, then it in fact becomes the development platform. And what a, what a great business model Salesforce has. So, um, you know, while, while there's, you know, always the chance to uh, you know, have a challenging renewal and, and, and they're aggressive, which is understandable. But boy, if, if, if you take the time to really embrace them and, and apply some vendor management uh, skills and, 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 and disciplines, you, you can really harness a, a, a powerful partner there. <clears throat> so you mentioned the word governance a few times. In our world of late, governance has almost become a profane word. It's something <laughs> I always said, right? Why do you think it's needed in SaaS environments? We've talked around it, but I'll let you answer that straight on. It's, I think, a difficult one to answer straight on because there's so many facets to it. But again, the bottom line is if you're not aware of who's in your environment, what they're touching, how they're touching it, what they will do in the event of closure or failure, there's some very basic requirements that optimization in and of itself doesn't address. And, and right now what's happening is simply because of the volume and, and the renewal cycle of so many of these, uh, our friends in sourcing who are on point for that are, are just being, uh, you know, overrun. Uh, IT finance has no idea what, what the spend is. So unless you're monitoring it and tracking it in advance of that renewal and understand all those other nuances, 
then you're you're never really going to have a good handle on the category. So in 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 fact, you know, uh, I I had an opportunity to speak with the World Commerce and Contracting Association back in uh, uh, November of last year, and really the 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 the, the essential premise is if you if you're not governing it how can you optimize right? right it it's that simple you you may throw a number out there but you're you, you just you know maybe it's one renewal that you achieve the 10% reduction in from the first offer and you claim success so governance in for us really takes on the elements of risk vulnerability optimization and knowing what's in your environment and what could frankly cause you a great deal of trouble, whether it be uh, compliance with the regulators or reputational risk. And I want to add another layer that you haven't mentioned, if you don't mind. And it came up when I was talking to Craig Garenti, who's an Oracle SAM guy, yep. sharp, yep. sharp guy. Good guy. And he mentioned how with SAM, and I think it's even more so with SaaS, the more you, you talked about Salesforce, the more we integrate with these SaaS platforms, the data becomes the thing that needs to be governed just as much as everything else, because pretty soon you're so integrated that it's Hotel California. You could check out, but you can never leave. But data needs that governance just the same, right? You know, like if I move from Salesforce to something else or one from another, we need to understand what happens to that data and how do we leverage that situation long before it becomes an issue. Absolutely. And, and yeah, master data management, you know, data governance, all those things feed in because at the end of the day, uh, you know, if I'm responsible for MDM in my organization, I've got to orchestrate all these various points where, where my data is. And that's the trouble. Um, most organizations don't know where all their data is. Right. And, and, and uh, you know, one of the things that happened to me was, you know, there, there was a requirement um, for the organization to maintain data in Moscow, right, or, or in the borders of, of Russia. Uh, but a marketing team in a, a different part of the world was accessing that data and running analytics on it. Well, that that's a problem, <laughs> and 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 of course they they didn't know that, and and uh, but but that that could have had some very serious uh, implications. But yeah, um, uh, governance of data, data governance, massive data management, organizations are wrestling with that, and and you know the world of SaaS has just made it that much more complex. Right, SaaS just makes it complex because it's not on your server sitting in your data center; it's bouncing between the data centers of the infrastructure provider that supports the SaaS, right? Right, right. And, and you know, what happens if that individual was a contractor um, who stood that up and the project comes to an end and they just move on to the next next gig uh, and then your data sitting out there and no one's, no one's aware of, uh, from an access standpoint, which is why, uh, you know, one of the things I think uh, you've seen, SailPoint recently acquire Intello. Um, I think you're going to see the SaaS management platforms um, either through APIs or through uh, other alliances, really begin to reach out, uh, and 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 because of that discovery capability that that those have, um, and, and it is different than than let's say a traditional SAM discovery capability. Um, it, it's more oriented towards tying into your your purchasing systems, your your expense systems, budgets, and whatnot, and and uncovering. Uh, some of those uh, purchases that are happening and, and you know, the, uh, uh, the others just that's, that was not their heritage. So, uh, you know, I know they'll, they'll get there, but they're, 
<laughs> oh yeah. It takes time. And uh, so as we close, are there any helpful hints, helpful tricks or ways people could look at their SaaS, optimizing their SaaS investment in a better way is the way I'd like to phrase it. Cause you're investing in SaaS. Now you need to optimize it, but are there any helpful tips, tricks, hints that you have for the audience? Uh, for me, the, the, the trick is to sit down and under SAS means something different to everyone in the organization, but they all have an active interest. They all feel there's a risk and, and this is different than software asset, right? If I was sitting with the CFO, he'd have a, a one issue. But if I sat down with the head of a business unit or, or, or a, a regional office, you know, they, they, they really didn't want to talk about Sam. But if you talk about SaaS with those individuals, they all have an opinion, a concern, um, and understand, in, in, intuitively, they understand the, the challenge. So the advice that I have to anyone who I would call as a governance enabler who's looking to get out there is try to quantify what the SaaS environment looks like today to the best of your ability. And again, the SaaS management platforms are strong there, but get out across the business, get out to these other functional areas and raise the visibility, facilitate the conversation, and then bring them into a room. And that's where it begins to to crystallize. So if you have InfoSec, third-party risk, compliance, sourcing, um, you know, uh, uh, SAM, ITAM, you get these people into a room with you know, finance and, and start to discuss how do we begin to control, not control, but measure, monitor, and, and avoid the risk associated with this. You'll get a lot of opinions, a lot of visibility, and good things will happen. If you sit there in the back office or, or you're, you're, you're on the ITAM team and you, you, you're an analyst and you've been handed this responsibility, it's going to be so buried and so low that it's going to be hard to build that kind of visibility and awareness. So that's, that would be my advice is get out there, talk about it, raise the visibility and understand everyone's concerns and issues. And you can begin to synthesize that into a central uh, strategy. Thank you, Jim, for sharing your knowledge and your expertise with us. And uh, everybody check out his book. And uh, Jim, is there anything you'd like to plug here as we close? Uh, no, I, I think, you know, overall, you know, it's, it's, I'm truly blessed. The, the response to uh, the survival guide to SaaS optimization has truly surprised me. Um, uh, I've had a chance to do a lot of uh, uh, conversations like this with in industry experts like yourself. The sale of the book's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, committed to helping this segment and looking for different ways to leverage my journalism and research backgrounds to, to see how we can continue the journey and discussion so everyone can continue to uh, benefit from lessons learned from those first movers uh, who, who, who are out there in, in the world of SaaS management. Oh, yes. And we need to talk about it more. Is my, my, the only thing I would say is it needs to be in the spotlight. It doesn't need to be hidden and you know, back behind layers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jim, thank you much for your time, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you, Jeffrey. Take care.